Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name is Rich Birch. Are you tired of ministry training resources that seem to be long on concept, but short uh, on just real practical tips? Well, that's not what this podcast is all about. We're here to provide you with practical help from ministry leaders. Today, we've got one of those. We've got Chris Vache. Uh, he's a worship director, uh, and he's going to talk about the relationship between worship directors and senior pastors. Let's jump in. It's an incredible interview, but make sure you join us at the end because I've got a couple resources we want to share. This is the Unseminary Podcast, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, uh, welcome to this week's Unseminary Podcast. We have got an incredible treat. Now, I know I say that every week, but this week really is an incredible treat. Uh, We've got Chris Vache with us, uh, worship pastor, great guy, and he's also a Canadian, so it's always nice to have some Canadian content uh, on the show. Uh, So, hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rich. It's uh, great to connect. I love your blog. I love this podcast. I love that you're from Canada. I love what uh, I love what Liquid does and what you're all about. I just I love tracking with you. And so thanks for having me uh, on your show. Really excited about this. Oh, that's nice. I, I guess I, I'm going to have to slip that twenty to you next time we're you know we're together. Uh, so Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, that your current kind of ministry context? Where do you serve? Great. So I'm on staff at Compass Community Church in Orangeville, Ontario. And Orangeville is just, we're about an hour away from downtown Toronto. So um, we're out kind of small town, 30,000 people, about 50,000 people in our region, uh, but close to the city. So it can get down to uh, watch Blue Jays games, although that wasn't so fun this year. But, uh, you know, like all the stuff in the city is really close by. But we live in a beautiful part of the country. Um, Canada has lots of beautiful parts, but this is really a real magnificent place to live. Um, our church was founded in 1861, uh, mm. so our church is older than Canada. That's kind of that's kind of a cool thing to think about. <laughs> wow, um, that's amazing. Yeah, Canada being the country in 1867, and at that point we'd already been a church for six years. Nice. And, and we were founded uh, as the regular Baptist Church of Orangeville, and then for about a hundred and a bunch of years we were Orangeville Baptist Church. Um, almost a year ago we became Compass, Compass Community Church. Uh, we sensed a real strong call from the Lord to begin multiplication and church planting and just expanding what God was doing here and felt we needed a name that uh, really just reflected who we are and what we're all about. So Compass, we say we're all about direction, upward and outward. So yeah, our relationship cool. with God, really important. And that, that fuels our relationship with others in our region, just reaching people with the gospel. And uh, we've just announced that we're going to do our first, what we call multiplication. So the town about 25 minutes down the road and uh, we're going there. We'll have another location called Compass, and uh, so we're really excited, really excited about that. So awesome church. Uh, I'm the, the director of worship here, so I oversee our Sunday morning. I work really closely with my senior pastor, and uh, I love that part of my job, and, um, and just oversee everything that happens in our services on Sunday. Nice. Well, you know, there's a lot we could talk about there. The fact, you know, that you went, you know, through this name change and the yeah. cultural stuff, that's huge. Like, I mean, we'll have to have you back at some point to tell that story because that's it was fun to watch that. Um, but particularly today, I'd love to, to talk a little bit about the whole worship stuff, um, you know, and your relationship particularly with, uh, you know, with the senior pastor and with kind of how that process looks like. How long have you been there at, at Compass Community? Yeah, I've been on staff here since November 2005. So coming up on eight 
years. Wow, that's amazing. Now, you were sharing that the average tenure of a worship pastor is what? It's about two years, a year and a half to two years. And wow. That, to me, that is is brutal. Although I I did feel when I came here, at about the two year mark, I felt a change in how people responded to me in the sense like, I think you can run on, um, you know maybe, uh, I don't want to say gimmick, but you can run on kind of charisma and talent for about a couple of years. And my sense is that for a lot of guys, that sort of runs out and they kind of lose some relational equity with the congregation. I felt a change um, after two years in relationship with my congregation at that point. But that's really, that's the average um, length of stay for a worship pastor at a church, about two years. Oh, that's amazing. Now, that, that's interesting, that idea of like, you know, you can run on some gimmick, you can run on, you know, a bit of the show, but then something has to shift. That just makes sense intuitively, right? Because you're like, everybody likes the new guy until he's not the new guy anymore. Um, and there has to be something more there, um, you know, to sustain that. Yeah, and if you've come from like the world of traveling worship leader, where you're going and doing the same set or the same show, uh, you know, day in, day out, regardless of, of who you're leading. And now you're in a place where, you know, you're in relationship with people and your tricks aren't really going to last that long. But then beyond that, too, you know, you've got a group of people that become family to you. And so you have people who are at the mountaintop and you've got people in the valley. And from a pastoral perspective, you got to, you know, really lead them uh, together as a church family through all of those things, and so it's just it's a different skill set, and um, I'm thankful that I've there's been a lot of grace shown by um, people in our church as I kind of learned and grew through that. Um, you know, not I certainly didn't haven't done everything perfectly, but uh, you know, part of part of that growth has been my relationship with my pastor and our elders, and and relationship with our our congregation. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about kind of your relationship, particularly with that, um, you know, with your senior leader. It's Earl, right? That's his name? Earl, yeah, Earl Marshall, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, one of the things I appreciate about you, just, you know, I see you uh, honoring him, just even through Twitter and stuff like that. You know, I, I don't know Earl at all. I don't, I don't have any connection with him at all. But it's, I always find that interesting to see just, you know, at a distance, I see you talking about him and just what he talked about and all that. So let, let's talk a little bit about that relationship. You know, I often say, or I've said in the past, you know, that a lot of times the the worship person, whether it's a director or pastor, whatever they call them at your church, you know, a lot of times that's the, the person with the second highest profile in the church. You know, they're seen by a lot of people, but a lot of times the, uh, the senior pastor, for whatever reason, doesn't either have a good relationship or doesn't have, you know, really much of a relationship there at all. What has worked for you uh, in your relationship with Earl over the last uh, couple of years? Well, just, a, I mean, in practical terms, like think about a Sunday service in our context and probably, you know, like most places, our service is 80 minutes. So, you know, whether you're 70 minutes, 80, 90, whatever, it's about 80 minutes. And Earl preaches for 40. Right. So he takes up half the time. The other half of the time is going to be music, you know, some kind of congregational corporate prayer. We try to, you know, integrate scripture, announcements, whatever. But basically half the service is him and his message and half the service is led by me or our team from a creative content perspective. And so, you know, one of the things I like to talk about with worship leaders who might have some kind of tense relationship with their senior pastor, or even sometimes I get to talk with senior pastors who have tense relationships, is just the understanding, like your senior pastor is putting a lot of trust in you, mm -hmm. um, even in the fact of putting you in front of the flock that he's called to shepherd for that many minutes on a Sunday. And... Um, I mean, you know, I think we'd all agree. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the senior pastor. Jesus is the leader. This is Jesus's church, and that's true. 
Um, and the beauty of the way the church works is that Jesus calls some to be pastors and some people to lead specific flocks. And um, pastors then get to equip and invite others to lead other parts of his flock. And so if you're a worship leader, worship pastor, I, that's a great starting point. Just remember the, the amount of trust that your um, senior leader has placed in you by opening up the opportunity for you to lead his flock. And, you know, that really quickly can eliminate a, a pretty high level of resentment that can sometimes get built up from a worship leader perspective, like, oh, why doesn't he understand me? Why won't he let me do this? Why doesn't, you know, why does he complain if we do this? And he's, he's you know, kind of allowed some of his authority that God has given to him, you know, kind of flowed that through to you and now putting you in a real, in a real crucial role in front of um, his congregation. So even just think about that, like start there and allow that to be the starting point for your conversation. That might open up a whole new world um, for your relationship with your senior pastor. Yeah, that's a great insight. You know, I think sometimes we can forget, um, you know, we're, we're called, you know, because we just get caught in the weekly routine of it all. Um, and we can forget the fact that, you know, this is spiritual enterprise and right. God has, has given, uh, that leader at your church, um, you know, has given him that authority. Uh, mm -hmm. and our job is to, you know, to follow that, uh, that person. Now I would imagine it takes a fair amount of trust, uh, in that relationship. Well, can you give me a time, uh, and that, that you'd think, or, or, you know, that you have built, you know, really great trust with Earl, and, and how, how do you actually build trust as a worship leader uh, with your senior leaders at your church? Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely been part of our relationship. It's not automatic, right? Trust isn't, you know, it's, it's not, uh, you know, day one you start on the job and, you, you know, here's the whole deal, run with it. Trust really is earned. It really is a process, and it's got to be two ways. So, you know, your senior pastor has given you as a worship leader trust by, you know, giving you the platform of being in front of um, his flock, and then you've got to develop that trust and build that trust with him as well. Uh, I think the easiest way is just to deliver. I mean, mm. <laughs> do, do good work. Um, you know, your, your church has hired a worship pastor because there's a significant need there for your Sunday, so do good work. And um, do consistently good work. And that doesn't mean, you know, if you're going to use a baseball analogy, that doesn't mean, like, hit home runs every Sunday. I know you like to talk about, no, like not every Sunday is a big Sunday. Right. Um, some are bigger than others. We don't, you don't need home runs every Sunday, but you need like solid base hits. Absolutely. Like get, yeah, absolutely. Get on base and be, you know, be faithful, deliver good work. And that really, I mean, to me, that's the difference between like a major league hitter and a minor league hitter is consistency and consistent production. So like just, just do the work that you said you're gonna do. <laughs> like I have that be the baseline. If you say right. if you say you're gonna do something, do it, and then and then do it well. Don't feel like you've got to be the hero every Sunday. Serve your pastor. You know, help accomplish the vision that God has given him um, for your church, and you know, allow your worship time on Sunday, whatever that looks like or sounds like, um, to be a way to, to build that trust um, with your pastor. And then if if you're a senior pastor, then respond to that like. Take time to acknowledge when um, your worship pastor has done good work and, you know, acknowledge him or her, acknowledge them specifically and intentionally and take time to do that. Um, worship leaders thrive on feedback. There's nothing worse as a creative <laughs> than, like, pouring my heart and soul into something and to have it go what I think, have it go well on Sunday, and there's no feedback. There's no right. response. There's no, like... Man, you know when when we did that on Sunday, 
you know, you said you would do this, and we were hoping for this, and it came through, and, you know, God was honored with that, and people really responded in worship to that. Thank you. Thanks for doing that. Though That kind of feedback will buy you uh, uh, a lot of really great relational equity with your worship leader. Yeah, I can imagine that, you know, even negative feedback is probably better than the, like, meh. You know, like, you know, you want to hear something, right? It's like, gosh, we just, you know, do you know how much time it took to pour in to make that happen? Yeah. Um, let's talk about it. Let's get, yeah. you know, let's, let's help me understand, you know, how it, you know, how it went from your perspective. And if something totally bombs, your worship leader knows. <laughs> yes, that's very true. <laughs> I mean, it, they know. And so at least, like, be their pastor. <laughs> right. And go to them right, right. and comfort them. And, that, you know, I'm so thankful that I have that relationship with Earl, with my pastor, that, you know, if something doesn't go well or doesn't go as expected or, like, we were hoping and praying for people to respond in some kind of way and it, like, that, you know, it didn't come out the way we had hoped, we're not afraid to go back and say, like, man, did, you know, did we, did we really do the work we needed to? Did we lay it out? Did we explain it odd for people? Um, was it something on our end? Or... You know, like, man, you know, we did what we said we'd do, and we delivered, and people just didn't respond. That's okay. We'll move on. We're, you know, we're able to have those kind of conversations. That that really does build trust between um, worship leader and senior leader. All right. So uh, I'm going to ask you to get personal. So a time with uh, that you, you know, you maybe kind of broke trust with Earl a little bit. Uh, you know, what, what did you do that, you know, maybe didn't work out so well, and it, it kind of, yeah, and I didn't break the, his trust, but it, you know, maybe frayed a bit uh, at that trust. What, and, and then what did you do to kind of regain that uh, with him? Um, we haven't had, you know, major falling out in our time together. Maybe that means we're not risking enough. But <laughs> I, I, I think in the times when there's been tension, where I've come short is that um, I, I haven't communicated enough. Um, mm. And, you know, I haven't said... You know, I'm I'm not yet ready to reveal or unveil the whole plan, but here's where we're going. Here's here's you know from from A to Z, as we say up here, A from A to Z. You know, like Z would be you know that that'll be the finished product, and we're not there yet. But here's how we're hoping to get there. And in the times that I've failed to do that, that may have been the times where there's been some tension that has come um, between the two of us. And so yeah, so I I do try to say to him, you know, we've got this big dream. Um, you know, uh, in a couple weeks, we're, we've got a baptism service coming up. And so, you know, we're working away on the process and helping people to write their story and get those um, stories videotaped and get them ready for that day, encourage them to be inviting, all that stuff. We're not ready yet to go there, but, you know, we, we try to stay in touch and here's where we're at. We're on that. Um, and, and to just be in, be in communication. I would say that in the times when there's been tension on my end, that's where I've fallen short is just um, just failed to, to communicate right. the plan and how we're going to get there. Right. Well, what does your communication process look like? Obviously, trust is built on communication. How, what is the kind of regular rhythm uh, of your interactions with Earl? Yeah, so um, in our context, uh, Monday is our staff day off. Uh, Tuesday is our meeting day. So we have um, kind of a, a check-in strategy meeting with all of our staff Tuesday morning. Um, Twice a month, we have a ministry director meeting, and so that's like our high level. It might be like a senior management team or a strategic team. Um, there's six of us on that, and we spend three to four hours together um, right. twice a month. Um, those the, And that's like big issues. Like we'll talk about one or two things in those four hours. Um, and then he and I interact through the week over email or texting back and forth. Um, he spends a good amount of time in the office, and we know when he's writing and when he's accessible and that kind of stuff. 
Um, and then Fridays is a, a, a really cool day where I get um, usually like an hour and a half to two hours, just he and I, um, and we walk through our whole service on Sunday. So we use Planning Center. Uh, he has access to Planning Center, so he sees what is coming up. He also adds his uh, content for Sunday. Um, but then on that Friday meeting um, is the two of us. If there's another worship leader or another kind of host for the service, they'll be part of that as well. And we just walk through the service. Here's what we're expecting to do. We're really trying to nail transition in those things um, so there's no surprises on Sunday. And uh, and then usually, you know, like what normally happens is we go off on a bunny trail and we start talking about something that is going on that week or something that we've read about. And um, he just gets a chance to kind of pour from a leadership perspective, uh, pour into some other people. So that's a real, really valuable time. I really treasure that time. And that's a standing meeting every Friday afternoon. Uh, we do that every week. Yeah, that's very cool. You know, I know in our context we do a thing called Thursday Night Gospel Hour. Um, you know, and it's the same idea. It's it's now that it really rotates around the teaching piece, but it's it's um, Tim, our lead guy, and then Tom, our secondary teaching guy, and then typically a couple of our graphic guys, and we're all everybody. They're all together, um, really nailing down the you know exact details on, and they happen to do it. Our, our pattern is to try to put everything to bed before the end of day Thursday, and yeah. so that's ended up being you know it usually bleeds into late on Thursday. <laughs> um, uh, that's why it's called Thursday Night Gospel Hour. Um, but it, it, the idea then on our end, we're then off Friday, Saturday. It's kind of that's our Sabbath routine there. But those times are super critical. You know, I don't. I think the difference between churches that are able to execute great services time in, time out are those kinds of times that are you know you're really working on that and not not leaving the transitions just up in the air. You're actually let's talk through how that's going to go. Um, you know, that's and, great. I, and to me that's like I get asked sometimes, oh, how do you debrief a service or how do you debrief an event? And we do debrief. I shouldn't say we don't do it, but what I usually say is but, but we do a lot more pre-brief mm -hmm. where we'll run through before the, the event or the service is going to happen. And so if something like goes really wacky on Sunday, what we're measuring against is what we had talked about, not what we thought was going to happen. Like right. I, I, I was kind of thinking that when you prayed, you kind of pray for this and went in that, or I thought you were going to, invite that person up or what, whatever the, the train wreck is. Right. We, if there is a train wreck, we can at least say like, dude, we talked about that on Friday and that really didn't go. So let's just tighten that up. Instead of basing a debrief against a set of individual expectations, we do that together. So we call it pre-briefing rather than debriefing. We do debrief and debrief is very important, but it's, I would say it's more around process Mm -hmm. And kind of how did we get to the finished product rather than the actual event what itself? What actually happened? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so what would you say? So there's a bunch of senior pastors listening in, executive pastor types, uh, and you now are going to play the role of their worship person, director, pastor, whatever they call them. Uh, and there's something that that worship pastor would like to say to them, but just they just don't. Uh, what is it that you would? Uh, what is it you think they want to say? <laughs> Only good things, right? Yeah, good things. Yes, good things. <laughs> um, I, I, what I generally hear from from other worship guys is that they they really love their church and they're really committed to their church and they love the vision and they love the mission. And sometimes I think worship leaders feel like senior pastors are, um, kind, you know, are you just looking for the next gig? Are you just looking? Are you here because of the stage? And what I would encourage senior leaders to do is. Um, to, to just 
thank their worship leaders for the work that they do there and and take time to build that trust but but remember that you know your worship guy is there because he loves that church and he loves you know how how God has called you to lead that church and he probably really is excited about the vision and the mission and he may not know how to express that or how to say thank you um, to you specifically for that um, but it's it's there if it wasn't there would be very little motivation for your worship leader to pour himself deeply into the work that he's doing um, it's you know it's not just picking a few songs and picking a, a Bible passage to read you know we if, if your worship leader is like me I mean we spend hours just sort of kind of mentally and from a heart level and from a prayer perspective just thinking through you know what's gonna happen on Sunday and what am I gonna say and should we you know this song how's that transition gonna work and right God we want our worship to be honoring to you and God we we want to come and meet with you on Sunday when we do that and um, it's it's not it's probably not just a gig if it is just a gig that's gonna be really obvious and as a right. senior leader you need to address that um, but you know your worship leader is pouring kind of heart and soul into this and so just take time to acknowledge that and and thank him for that and um, honor the the commitment and the work that he's doing cool uh, anything else you'd love to share with our audience before we jump into the lightning round um, well, I'll just give like one real practical thing that I do. I mean, we talked a lot about conversations and deliver and do the work. Let me give you one really practical thing that I do here to actively build trust with my senior pastor. And this isn't going to work in your context, but it might. I sit in the auditorium for both of our services on Sunday. Now, you might be, you might have like five services. You might only have one. Um, but I, I sit the first service with my wife, the second service in the front row. Bible open, notebook open, pen in hand, and I'm like 100% engaged in what he's saying. Yeah, I've got a pretty good idea of what he's going to be preaching and how he's <laughs> going to go and where he's going with his message, but I want him to see and to know that he's my pastor and what he's teaching has an impact on me and my life, not just my job. And so I do that every um, every service, every Sunday, both services I'm in there. I also want to model that for you know people who serve in our worship ministry and also for our church as a whole. I mean, if you're a worship leader, your church is looking to you as a leader, and so model that for your church. And and um, so I just do that partly from a heart level, like I just need that, but also um, to to help show my pastor that I really appreciate his teaching, and I'm you know I'm focused, I'm ready to go, and paying attention. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, here we are in the lightning round where we jump through a series of questions with a church leader just to kind of get a sense a bit about where uh, what's happening in their world. So, Chris, uh, tell us about an online resource that you've been using that's particularly helpful for your uh, ministry. Okay, so we were joking that everyone says Evernote, but it's because it's true. <laughs> it's true. I use Evernote and that, like, uh, it's, it's just part of my brain. It is. It really right. is. Um, so I won't talk too much about Evernote. I'll give one for you know creatives, worship leaders out there. We use Graceway Media, GracewayMedia.com. It's an annual subscription, but we use it for almost all of our sermon series graphics. We use it for a ton of announcements. We use it for event promos, whatever. It's it's a one-time cost, but you get access to their whole library, and it's editable Photoshop files. So for a very small uh, cost, you get kind of a freelance graphic designer, and if you've got a bit of a Photoshop ability, if there's you know like a high school or college kid in your church, and you give them access to this and uh, give them some instruction, it's a really powerful tool. We use it all the time. Cool. Uh, what's a book that you've read recently that's impacting your ministry? 
So brand new, uh, David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell, and I'm sure lots of people are reading that. Um, from a theological perspective, maybe not bang on, his, uh, <laughs> his, right. his exegesis of the David and Goliath story might be missing uh, the, the God perspective. But as a concept book, it's beautiful, and it should really it's really encouraged me um, thinking about this is not about small church, big church, and if you read it from that perspective, <laughs> get get a bit of a heart check. But you know, um, in Canadian culture and in probably in large uh, areas of the U.S., the church really is a, a very small, non-influential, quiet voice. Right. And so, how do we take advantage of that um, against the Goliaths of culture? that are out there. It's been really fascinating to read. Yeah, it's been interesting. He's been getting some interesting press about just even his own faith journey, you know, in that process, which I which I think is great. You know, I'm obviously, you know, like I haven't read it yet, but um, you know, obviously he's on he's on a journey. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see where that goes in the coming years. My two word review is buy it. <laughs> nice. Okay, good. Well, that's good to know. All right. Uh, okay, so ministries that that are kind of impacting the way you're thinking or the way you're leading this year as you kind of look up to them, uh, who would be some of those people be? Yeah, so two um, specifically. One in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Church on the Move. Um, I w attended their Seeds Conference last year and blew my mind. Uh, I'm such a fan of them. They are so generous. Uh, they just do really great work. They are hardworking, um, but the stuff that they're doing and the people that they're reaching in and around Tulsa is amazing. So I'm really thankful for them, Church on the Move. And then the second um, group of people that I really love to track with is at a Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago and Vertical Church Band. Um, they've become friends of mine over the last uh, couple of years. They released uh, a, an album last year, and our church sings a ton of the songs off that record. And there's, a, there's one, October 29th is the release date for their new one, 10 more great songs. I just love, you know, from a community um, creative songwriting perspective, how they've really been able to not just bring in voices, but develop uh, songwriting ability and develop this kind of co-writing culture they've got at Harvest. So uh, I, I love what those guys are doing there. Cool. That's a, that's a great church. A fascinating movement, um, for sure. Um, if you could spend 15 minutes with a leader, any leader alive, anywhere in the world, uh, who would that be and why? So uh, I'll say Johnny Ive. There's the token uh, Apple oh, Mac. Oh, nice. Yeah, leaders. nice. And so just, you know, from a, from a creative standpoint, but also, you know, he's not just vision and big ideas. There's, there's actually implementation there. And so you take these big dreams and these big goals, even thinking like iOS 7. So now that he's sort of the, the creative director on that, you know, there's some aspects of iOS 7 that go back to his original idea for the iPhone from you know, 10 years ago um, when he was beginning to dream about what this could be like and knew, okay, we can't do this yet, but we'll be getting there. And uh, so to see him, you know, to, to follow him and, and how he's able to express himself so clearly and be part of really a, a world-changing uh, organization. It also could have to be the way he says aluminum. Or aluminium. <laughs> aluminium. Alum yes, exactly. That right there. I'm like, anybody that can pronounce it like that, that's, uh, that's worth the 15 minutes for sure. <laughs> All right, so you're kicking back. Uh, you want to have some fun. Uh, wh where do you spend your free time? Um, so this, this photo shows up, right? So you yes. can tell uh, this is my beautiful little family, my wife and my four kids, so uh, not a ton of free time. <laughs> but, you know, when I do get it, I love to spend time with them. We set aside two real real intentional times in our kind of weekly calendar. Friday night is date, wife for, date night for my wife and I, and there's very little that um, 
that gets on the calendar ahead of date night, so that's really important to us. And then Saturday morning, um, we have Saturday morning pancakes, and that's become a fun little thing where, like, every Saturday I post a photo of it on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, just, to, you know, just as a way of sh sharing with people what we're up to as a family. Um, and so those, those become just real precious times for us. Um, I love to, you know, just be involved with groups of people just dreaming about different stuff, and I love to be with teams of passionate people. Um, I lead a thing called Worship Rises, which is a, a movement of Canadian worship leaders and Canadian songwriters writing songs for the Canadian church, and that's been pretty awesome. Um, so not a ton of free time, but when I do it, I love to spend time with family and spend time with other people who are real passionate about creative work. Nice. Well, Chris, I appreciate you being on the show today. How uh, can people get in touch with you if they want to follow you and track with you and kind of uh, get a bit more of the goodness from Chris? Yeah, so easiest way is Chris from Canada. So that's my blog, chrisfromcanada.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at chrisfromcanada, facebook.com slash chrisfromcanada. Uh, I'm, I'm accessible and available all those places. Nice. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Rich. Really appreciate you and what you're doing, and uh, thanks for having me today. Really appreciate this. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. So thankful to have Chris on the show today. He talked about pre-briefing, kind of their process for uh, following up before the weekend ever happens. But maybe you're looking for some help on the debrief side. There's an article on the blog called Four Frameworks for Church uh, service review meetings. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. Gives you a, a couple different ways to look at uh, how to review a weekend after it's happened. Thanks so much for tuning in. Go into this weekend ready to serve the people God's put in your path. And we'll see you next Thursday on the Unseminary Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary Podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.